Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator, and... I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Look at me. Focus on my voice. I'm not giving up on you, Jean. She was my friend. You're my family, Jean. Stop. No matter what. Stop. Stop. And if you stop fighting that force inside you, if you embrace it, you will possess the very power of a god. She'll kill us all. We fix this, Charles. Tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. No, they don't understand. They fear, and what they fear, we seek to destroy. This is your fault, Charles. I tried to protect her. I'm scared. When I lose control, bad things happen to people I love. The girl dies. She's still Jean. We can still help her. Sometimes, we want to believe people are something that they are not. By the time we realize who they are... It's too late.
Oh, hey everybody! It's the Marvelous. I'm Peter Malnick. Oh yes, and I'm Eddie Wilson. Oh man, that was a hell of a nap we both just took. Stop it. Anyway, before we get, <laughs> anyway before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and talk about me uh, me 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 oh oh sorry X Men Dark Phoenix. We want to let y'all know at home how you can get a hold of us on social media. First off, go on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at. The Marvelous. Give us a follow ski on there. You can also find myself at Facebook at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. You can also find me on Instagram at Peter Melnick and on Twitter, same one. And Eddie, you are also on Instagram. At Eddie9193. And also you can listen to us on a wide variety of streaming platforms, including TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, among many, many others. But most importantly, rate, review, subscribe, and share on iTunes. And of course, go on WolverinePodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And when you do, you get one free month of Stitcher Premium, and you can be able to listen to Wolverine the Long Night and the new one, Wolverine. The Lost Trail. And it's only for $4.99 a month after that one free month trial is over, and we recommend you stay on, but you can cancel at any time. So, yeah. WolverinePodcast.com, promo code. At checkout, Marvelists. Ooh, I like that. I got two more words in. (laughs) So, we are also joined in this episode with a very special guest co-host who is returning technically for a third time, but it's really a second time, but we'll we'll get into that. Three episodes. Yeah, it's like... Third third episode. It's it's, it's so many times. We are joined with Chris Mira. Chris, CJ, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Not sleepy anymore from that great nap I had. It wasn't that dark ba- It wasn't that bad. <laughs> so bad when you start off a podcast already determining the outcome. <laughs> well, I saw the movie. Oh, yeah. We all did. Once. We lived it. The big takeaway I took from the trailer, though, Storm had way more lines in the trailer than the entire movie. Yeah. Ah. But, and it was yeah. literally all her lines in the trailer. <laughs> but, guys, a lot of things have happened since... That episode, because a lot of things have happened since we saw the movie, including mm-hmm. some different news topics in the past week. Eddie, what have you got in store? Just came off of a Eternal Con trip visit in Long Island. Well, that's not Nassau news, Coliseum. Yeah. No, well, hey. <laughs> it gives me also time to look for the you, You're throwing it to me, and uh, just did the one day Saturday I think that's only the second time I've been to it. I enjoyed it, um, even though we didn't get to do our moderating thing that we were supposed to. Uh, they were still gracious enough to uh, let me get in so I could cover it as best I could. Photos pending should be you shook some, visible now you by su- the time this podcast is airing. You shook some cages. You rattled some cages. I did done good, but you got you got your pass in. You got met in. a couple. Yeah, met a couple of uh, previous uh, encountered uh, cosplay people or otherwise, and that was cool. And so I missed some people, so I threw out a post, got no responses to it, by saying, listen, I'm sorry, there were some f- my Facebook friends that were at Eternal Con I completely missed, so please let me know if you're going to the Garden State Comic Fest, which is at the time of this podcast airing, June 29th and 30th, in Morristown, New Jersey. And if all is right in the world, we have that interview with Sal Zerzolo. Which will be at the very end of this episode, yes. Like, like I kind of said. Yes. Yes, only in my voice instead of yours. <gasps> There's a difference. Please, people, as he likes to say, people, make note of it. Stop that. I'm gossamer sometimes, you know that? Yeah. So also on top of all of the things that have been going on, 
Avengers Endgame is coming back into theaters, what? and they're trying to do their damnedest to be able to beat Avatar as the highest-grossing movie of all time. It's kind of funny also because Marvel, Fox is owned by Disney, and Fox owns Avatar, so... What the fuck say? Wow, that is ding, a reference ding, ding, I did ding, not... Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. That is like the last reference I ever expected from you. Well, it's it's kind of close to the bottom, so there. Like you're, like you're going to say this movie is... <laughs> Oh, well... Yes. Wake up! <clears throat> to be fair, Avatar was in theaters for seven months. <gasps> it was in... Yeah, for that long, as well as also the fact you have to factor in the ticket cost. Avengers... Doesn't matter. Avengers yeah. was only in for two months and it generated to number two. Oh, no, I'm not... So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not trying to well, discount the Avengers success, but I'm just also like... The reason Avatar did so well in theaters was because of the spectacle of, oh my God, this is in 3D. Oh, so was that the advent of the 3D movie and an extra the, 350 per ticket or something? The the revitalization of 3D in film, yeah. And okay, I thought it had something to do with release of Dances with Wolves. That's yeah. the other long one I couldn't think of. I I had Kevin Costner in my head, and why was it? it? Don't we all? That's exactly some, the movie. Well, though. some people have Kevin yeah. Bacon. They, they seven degree separation, but anyway. But here's the thing: you mentioned about that it was in theaters for seven months. Titanic did really well and was in theater for as long, or if not longer, I believe, during its original theatrical run. Sunk. Because for a very long time, I remember the movie came out in, I think, summer 97, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember seeing it in like the winter of 97. And it was still playing in like 1998, like, you know, while Godzilla was in theaters. Okay. So Which was probably spring, April, May, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of funny that James Cameron will, you know, boast that, oh, I have the highest grossing movie. Well, yeah, you do because your movie never left the theater. It's like the unwanted guest. Like me when I go to a place. Well, hi. In the early days, yes. Now you're a little better with that. Anyway, oh, thank you, Eddie. But I'll let it sit a little. Let's, let's just don't get crazy here. With Avengers Endgame getting re-released in theaters, which yeah, like you know, we had said, that much money in the span of two months, give or take, is absolutely crazy to the power of how strong Marvel is. You know, in the pop culture subconscious. So it's already beaten Avatar. If you look at it in the framework of it, it took this it. much time or this little time to make this much money. It beat it Done. in, I think, the domestic recently, didn't it? Like, something like that. Under, like the, under the domestic. Yeah. Oh, that's Stephen King. Sorry. Stop that. But the <laughs> idea of... <laughs> well? The idea that this movie's going to get re-released in such a short amount of time, by the way, but what they're going to be giving you. You end up getting, like I guess, a free uh, poster with the uh, power gauntlet. Um, they're going to be showing footage of like an unfinished deleted scene. They're going to include that in there. Now, is this going to be in the theaters that are showing yes. Endgame again? Okay. As, are they going to release the Michael Pena reviewing all the Marvel movies? I haven't heard that, but I've what? heard they're going to have an Anthony Russo intro right they before filmed the movie. It. They filmed yeah. it. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> but here's the thing. I have seen the footage of that because it was uh, recorded at New York. Not New York. It was uh, San Diego Comic-Con one year. It was, I think, last year or something like that. The one year they did San Diego. And it was him sitting with Paul Rudd and they're talking. And they recounted everything. But I don't know if he did the uh, Luis voice. It's, it's a missed it. opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I hate to say it. It is yeah. a missed opportunity if you don't do that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are speculating what the uh, tacked on post credit scene is going to be. I feel like they should have inserted that, though, in Endgame, that Luis was still alive, he survived the snap, and when he finds him, he was like, so this is what happened. I love the idea. That's like, kind of cool, you know, even though you don't, I, I didn't overly think of, oh, what, whatever happened to, yeah. Just imagine, like, all the people's lives that have changed because of the snap, and then they're the ones that are like, like, the well, kids will return. Like, the, there was a parent, and their kids were gone now, well... 
We can do what we needed to do again. Ah, oh, crap, they're back. <laughs> the, 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 that just reminded me, you were alluding to the kids' return coming back to uh, Peter Parker going back to school and, and those kids from the school. And uh, likewise, where am I going with this? Um, what we'll find out in terms of what's happened to people after the snap is going to be, I think, in in Far From Home, in Far From Home where you know, Mysterio's going to come through of a different earth. and He's just going to booyaka booyaka everyone in the room. Cowabunga, dude, even, and come back. And fi- and we find out that, yeah, the repercussions of the, th- of the snap did not just happen on this beloved planet Earth. This island Earth, even. Multiverse? Mm. Now the other thing, multipass, even. Multipass. Lilo Dally. But yeah. the, the whole thing about what they're also incorporating in this uh, re-release cut is going to be, like I said, a Anthony uh, Russo introduction and also footage from Far From Home, like I guess at the very end, like, hey, people... You're going to go see the movie next week? Mm-hmm. You should go see the movie. Yeah, can you not wait two days to go see it? Like- <laughs> <laughs> Again, you would be surprised how they do this stuff. But I'm I'm genuinely wondering what's going to happen next because also, did we talk about this on the previous episode with Ben in regards to uh, Venom? Venom was in there. Mm-hmm. That Venom was going to be one of those movies that... They're, try- they're, they're trying, trying to get him involved and Tom and yes and Kevin Feige is going on saying yes we'll we're willing well if you didn't listen to last week's episode I guess we'll talk about it again I'd like to hear Venom. It. I actually listened to that song for the first time in a long time today and I'm just like it's terrible it's it's classic bad <laughs> you're like you're, you're like the only one that listened to it well, I mean you listened to it you heard it was yeah it, it was it in the, the theater oh well, yeah okay yeah. okay but just the uh I don't want to see the Tom Hardy version of Venom show up in the MCU. Why? Like at all. I, I, no, I just, I feel. There's definitely an age gap. It's that, like if you have to have somebody be the anti-Peter Parker, have them be someone closer in the age, but yet I understand why they want to cast a Tom Hardy because like has that, you know, bulking, you know, presence. Mm-hmm. But you can still find a young actor who can maybe do that, but they might not be as experienced. So, you have somebody in mind, I think, too. Topher Grace, him. <laughs> yeah, right. You shave I off your goatee, you could be, you know, you could pass as uh, eighteen. We believe in you. Yeah, just dye my hair blonde. And... Yeah. No. I mean, if you dye it blonde, you'll end up looking like you're from the early two thousands, when everyone had overalls and shit. Oh no! Did they? I wasn't paying attention. It was, it was mostly overalls and like you know, uh, bleach blonde hair. The thing yeah, I remember was, from that maybe time period or even before that was the one pant leg rolled up. I do remember that. The Mac Dad will make you jump, jump. I, it was like blonde hair on top, black on the side. Yes. That was like a thing for some reason. And then... Lance Bass did it, so everyone had to do it. Oh, whoa, okay. The early 2000s were a time, weren't they? I suppose. <laughs> we were there. All that new metal. It started the X-Men. And the funniest thing is, the first X-Men movie, by the way, while we're on the topic of X-Month, it doesn't really... like it. July kinda, 14th, 2000. That's the day it came out. Ooh, there you go. Did nice. You doing a, did you start doing a macho man in the middle of that? July 14th. Uh-huh. <laughs> nope. He, he did not. 
but just the idea point like, taking moving along it does not look as you know a product of the time it still kind of looks like a you know it holds up t- yeah timeless in the sense of like appearances and everything of the characters the only one I believe that like oh wow this is an early 2000s movie is when you see Iceman for example or uh, actually not even that actually the only thing that like threw me off is when Wolverine does the the stupid CGI of him cutting Lady Liberty's crown yeah that is very it's it's bad <laughs> i haven't seen that movie since we watched them last year for the show and i've been wanting to revisit them one more time but just not for the show just me see it's an offshoot from this series that we're finishing up with i i, I assume because i've gotten uh, sensitized to seeing other x-men things throughout the course of this month and be like oh hey maybe you know i'm curious from both of you why have the X-Men not aged in these movies, like, whatsoever? It's like six, didn't 40 we, years. Yeah, didn't we kind of talk about... But when you play with timelines, like, only the X-Men have in such an inimitable way from the beginning of, of the first three movies and then going into the Wolverine movies and now and now back to these. And I saw at least one posting where, yes, did this, if this happened, how could this be? And so-and-so would have been this, this hey, young... Hey, Charles. Yeah. Hey, Charles. In five years, you're going to look like the guy from Next Generation. Enjoy. <laughs> Captain John Picard. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, USS Enterprise. It's a song. I, yeah, I do remember that. Why TMND? You're yep. the man now, dog. Yep. I am so out of this. You're fine. <laughs> You'd think so. Although, if you want to, there people... There was a world-famous Ray Charles impression. <laughs> I can't see shit. Oh, no, that's my Ray Charles impression. Wolf. <laughs> but apologies to the people out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, if you want to learn more, by the way, about YTMND, we recommend checking out former uh, special guest of the show, Justin Wang's Tales from the Internet, where he talked about the history of YTMND. Bork laser on YouTube. Oh, yeah. man. Cheese souffle. Again, this is like a one-two conversation n- not many people are going to get, but if you do, Some do, tweet at us. I don't know why, but just tweet at us. So we know it registered or it landed, <laughs> if you will. Baker T. I do remember that. Baker T. Cheese souffle. <laughs> just, ah, oh, man. Again, no one's going to get this, and I'm kind of fine with that. The good old days of trying to get past censorship or uh, uploading copyrighted material on YouTube. It still happens. Yeah. But anyway, mm-hmm. so guys, Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was a movie. It certainly was, and it was certainly it had a gaffer. A what? It, um, the gaffer. I don't, standard, the standard boy. movie role. There's a best boy. They had catering. Location. Ooh, I like special that. thanks to the uh, citizens of whatever, <laughs> and the mayor of whatever that place. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. That's all at the end. The end stuff. Maybe just before, or is it just after the movie song credits at the very end? If you stay that far, that long. Where it ended? Like France, I, right? It it pretty much ended like Dark Knight Rises. Yes, it did. And if you, I guarantee that if Charles looked to his left, he could see Master Wayne and Alfred. <laughs> the size of a tangerine, Master Bruce. Tangerine, Master Bruce. But this clocked in, I think, just under two hours. Which was, in all honesty... Was a good thing. I harp on the movie for just... I don't hate the movie, but I just thought it was boring. But on the flip side, you mentioning the runtime of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
I appreciated that. I just wish a short runtime could have been done for a movie that wasn't the Dark Phoenix saga. Okay. Uh, like, mm-hmm. Dark well, Phoenix should have been the X-Men equivalent of Thanos. A movie you can do over the course of a couple films. No, Apocalypse should have been the X-Men equivalent. Why not? Well, you could do both. You could do one arc of that and one arc of the other one. Like, four movies Either devoted towards... Either one's Thanos or one's Galactus, so it's like... What I'm talking about in terms of the big bad story event that you want to lead, you know, lead the audience towards. I'm going to lean the audience away right now with an arc, a different arc. Arc of a diver. Can you guess that artist? Steve Winwood, thank you for 200 points. Not. Continue, please. Well, it didn't help that. Gene I'm sorry, Gray. that was like the best like music reference you could do. Best? No, no, no. It was up just, there. It was just getting warmed like, up. My confusion. Yeah. <laughs> like that. You saw like. Throw you off. Like, where's she going? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, are you going to go for Ark of the Covenant? Well, if you really want to get biblical, sure. Or Indiana. Okay. Have you ever seen the uh, melting Nazi candles, by the way, they're selling? No. <laughs> Oh, no. I want one so bad. Is that a thing? <laughs> yes. Wow. Just don't look. Just keep your eyes shut. <laughs> da 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 da. Shia LaBeau. <laughs> the boof. I thought it was. That as well. <laughs> Throw me the whip. I give you the idol. But the woman that played Jean was had zero charisma. I didn't mind her as Jean. She to has be zero charisma. There's nothing like. I mean, what do you expect her to do? A tap dance in the middle of the movie? I'm just saying, like, uh, it's... I see... If we're being honest, as someone who has read, you know, a lot of the X-Men comics, Jean is not that dynamic of a character in the first place. She's very much... If you read, like, the early days of the X-Men, she's the girl of the X-Men and really doesn't become a power figure until Phoenix becomes a part of her. Yeah, Phoenix Force, exactly. She's she's background. She's... um balancing everybody out. Yeah. This came up in the book I'm reading called The Supergirls and how the the role is so minor uh, as almost to be, you know, several levels below the other characters in importance. But just the opposite is what happens. That's why I bring up in the episode with the X-Men animated series how at the end they, they give her the credit of limited telepathic abilities. Like hell. Yeah. It's more like unlimited. Yeah. But my my reasoning why I feel it was very much underutilized in terms of the story, X-Men Dark Phoenix should have been a movie that could have been told over the course of four movies and just do it slowly throughout. You end up having the first X-Men movie where at the tail end, she ends up becoming possessed by the Phoenix, saves everybody, whatever. Mm -hmm. Second X-Men movie, we see her as, you know, learning how to use her powers, whatever. They end up fighting the main bad guy in that film, whatever. Yep. Third movie. You end up having her utilize the proper powers properly, whatever. She saves a bunch of lives. But then at the very tail end of the movie, you see something's a foul. Yeah. Something's going to happen. She does something and it, like, it rubs some of the, uh, the X-Men the wrong way. Like, right. Like maybe morally. There's putting a question mark in there. Now, yes. and, and, then then the fourth, and then the fourth one is what Dark this Phoenix. would be. Yeah. Now, do you also tie in to help with a visual component, perhaps, costuming-wise, do you go with the green and gold? First Phoenix, and then go to the red and gold? Again, you can do that, but do, like, you know, maybe a modern interpretation of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you have Captain Marvel's outfit, and it's, like, battle armor, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. So, like, the modern reinvention of these So you costumes. can incorporate the colors minus the sash off the waist, perhaps. Yeah, yeah why yeah. not? Just, like, something cool, though, you know? Yeah. But with... As I, as I had mentioned in the previous episode, I guess 
when I mentioned about the whole character development with a uh, lack of with you know Nightcrawler, for example, Nightcrawler was my biggest grievance, but I had not seen uh, Apocalypse prior, you know, rewatching prior mm, yeah. to seeing Dark Phoenix, and I'm watching this and, and I'm like realized. He was a little bit more fleshed out and developed in Apocalypse, and this one he's just there. Yeah, he's just in well, a tent. He stabs a guy with his tail, but he's just and and gets he, Afro hit by a train. Yeah, and he does a lot of bamfing. More, most, more, most, more bamfing for your movie buck in this movie, I think. We already we know just, that he has to see where he's going in order to do that. Like it got established in what Last Stand, I think. Yeah. No. Uh, X2. Yeah. Or X2, yes. Okay. Mutants United. Yes. No, we're just going to ignore, though, that she kind of had the Phoenix powers in Apocalypse at the end. But it was just very minor. But it's like they kind of just glossed over that. Well, yeah. as as I think I mentioned or made note of that Apocalypse before he got uh, incinerated or whatever, that uh, all things... Uh, He's not supposed to die either. All, <laughs> all things revealed now. I mean, and Thanos I'm sure he isn't meant su- Phoenix. Yes, Thanos isn't supposed to die either. He's not but dead. He's in the Soul Stone. I didn't even know he was sick. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, he's in the Soul Stone. Yeah. If we're going based on comic lore. However, when you end up hearing Peter Parker go, "Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark," I'm turning into Tony Danza now. But Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark, I was I was dust all of a sudden. Like, we don't know what happened in the in between for him. So yes, he was in the Soul Stone technically. So what? He knows he was dust. Is this where we're going? Or something? He just I, I didn't feel so good for a second. Well, he didn't say no, he but he, I remember him years. saying that. Yes. He started doing the thing. <laughs> <laughs> What's the thing? It looked like a little wax on, wax off thing. You're going over there, CJ. <laughs> I was I was thinking that too. <laughs> okay, good. Well, two fingers. Yeah, but just the idea of uh, it could have been done through a longer storyline. Like if you want Phoenix to matter. Don't just do a one-and-done kind of movie and then end that. Maybe know? they just thought, though, that by focusing on this character throughout this whole movie, you would get all you needed in that in that character. You didn't have to go that far out. I understand doing a four-movie thing, and that might not have been a bad thing to then do. Then why didn't they do that with Thanos in the Marvel movies? <sighs> they, could have, they could have done that the entire time. But would you do that? They did would that. You fa- they would you favor, would yeah. you favor doing that for a villain instead of... Uh, a non-villain, but she giving techni- that she much... technically is a villain. Phoenix is technically a villain. Well, all the lives she kills and destroys are the asparagus that's, people. That's later, but still, that's later. And if you don't like asparagus, then it's not the movie for you. But, or maybe it is. <laughs> but she starts off as good, of course. But I'm saying when you end up building up towards that thing where it's a power struggle of good and evil, mm-hmm. you know, you got to build up to that. Yeah, but but. <laughs> And now, and now I go back to the thinking of why did they have to make this movie to begin with? Didn't we know enough about this character that how she gets the the Phoenix Force? It builds, it turns, and it kills her, or, and vice versa. So why did we have to? So there's conflicting, perhaps, theories, too. But uh, but I, I'll say it. I think I said it once before. You, out of three reviews from when the movie first came out, Dark Phoenix gave it, I think, the best, the highest review numerically than the other reviews I, I had seen. I gave it a 5 out of 10. Yes, you did. That's exactly right. Which, when I say that, I just say I was bored with the movie. Like, there's mm-hmm. mo- like the acting for the most part is fine. You know, like, what's his name? Um, Magneto. Michael, Michael Fass- Fassbender yep. acts his ass off in this movie. He does an amazing job. And when you end up seeing him make his entrance in the film, you're like, 
oh yeah, this is an X-Men movie. And you're like, you're watching and be like, wow, he has such command, not just of magnetism, but of the screen. Yeah, and he, um, I think, had definitely an adequate amount of screen time. He sustains his character throughout previous and now into this film, trying to make a normal life for himself and uh, his, his wife and daughter. Tragedy seems to follow him again, though. And, yeah. I just... I feel with the, you know... Who was really the villain? It was the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, correct? Or, no, the... Uh, was it, like, a offshoot of the Hellfire Club in this film? It looked like it. it. Probably, yeah. If you had to connect it to something that we're familiar with in terms of a name, yeah. And then you just have Albino Chick. Yeah, Albino that's Chick. the only thing I had. I had issue with that because it's like... She just shows up at the dinner party and... We don't I, know what happens to that family. Did you finish eating? Like, what's going on? I did not did care. Did they possess the other aunt, like, the, the rest of the family? I don't... I did not care for her as a villain. She was just... There was, like, a Simpsons reference in the movie, too. Was there? Hmm? Yeah. You don't, like... I would have missed it, but anyway. I, it's... Simpsons reference in respect that, oh, have a dog with shifty eyes. So when he's at the White House, you just see the random Secret Service guy looking down the hall. Something's afoot. Who's oh, that geez. guy? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very cheesy. I kind of remember that, yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, all right, he's somebody, but it's, uh, we'll find out later. Or not. <laughs> well, especially because of the franchise now, we will not definitely. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, 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 because you end up getting crushed in the, uh, on the train. That is true. Which, that was honestly the best part of the movie, was the fight scene on the train. Yeah. I feel. It's. I really feel like they would benefit with an R rating. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> you want to see like their powers in full force. I mean, like you saw with Wolverine. Like we finally got to see it. Like, all right, like he has been alarms and it's cool, and it's, I don't know, it's cheesy. And then you see how like how violent it can be. I don't know. Fighting's not a uh, not a clean sport. I agree, I agree, but uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't into the fighting scene to begin, meaning a, a spectator of of fighting in that terms. Having I don't know, seeing like Magneto. Well, I really like Magneto. Like you get to see like what he really can do, because um, up until that point you really haven't. Um, yeah. I mean, probably X two was like the most violent that you saw him. He pulls the iron from the guy's blood, oh, yeah. and then he makes a little disc and flies. He killed the guy. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, so true. But you know, other things, and and we're possibly at somewhat of a loss to go too too further into because first watch is, in my case, not enough to really absorb and and uh, give appropriate, I think, um, feedback to it. It was not one where I felt like a couple people had said to look at my watch to I know did. how much time is left on this. Um, it had its I think adequate amount of action and whatever character development there needed to be in some cases, not in all, because these other ones who were possibly, like we said, Hellfire Club offshoots, we didn't really get to know much about, just to see what they could do, like like Red Lotus, who I don't think you heard na- named, mentioned, maybe just in the credits. Who was that? The he, guy with the dreads. The guy with the long dreadlocks, oh. yeah. Like, Once again, no- in classic X-Men movie fashion, we have a character and we don't mention their name, at least until the credits. Yeah. There was like stu- like stupid subplots that didn't need to be there. 
the Beast and Mystique subplot. Where he had... Well, I love what somebody pointed out about this. <laughs> he looks at a photograph of her on the desk, and it's a promotional shot. <laughs> is, I love is that it? it's not like a candid shot. It's like, here you go, Beast. Here's one of my 8 by 10s <laughs> oh, It's just so great. Well, that was a subplot that might, was, was there. It didn't just come out of nowhere. It, had, it didn't it had been but, previously, but... But they really didn't develop it to that point. No. Like, I didn't feel it, so it's just... No, maybe it just revisited the uh, the part where, yeah, one or both of them wanted to be normal and be able to blend in with everybody and then, do you, guys, you know, mutant you, and proud kind of thing. Do you guys think that Beast got that 8 by 10 of Mystique at a car show? Oh. She's just like signing a gigantic stack of them to Beast, love, Mystique, here you go, I'll sign it with a kiss, here you go. No, I don't think they do car shows. <laughs> Could How you imagine if the X-Men did car shows, though? Um, imagine the stunts and imagine the tricks. Mm-hmm. I can imagine Nightcrawler as a car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> These sales will make you go... Bam. No, no, no. You're just sitting in the car looking at it, all of a sudden just poops <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, Careen into a ditch. <laughs> I mean, how about Quicksilver? I mean, like, he was there. He certainly was. <laughs> wow. You know who else was certainly in the movie, and they didn't name her by name, but she was in there? Dazzler. And Daniel Bryan? Stop that. It drove me nuts that Dazzler's in there, and her scene was really cool. Lloyd Bonier. (laughs) It was very flashy and disco-y, and yeah. But wouldn't it have been better to have her in a movie set in the 70s or 80s? I suppose. The Dazzler. (laughs) For, you, for those of you at home, the wrestler Daniel Bryan used to compete as a character named The Dazzler. Or Lloyd Bonnier. Yes. Now I know. And I never did. And I probably won't remember this either. <laughs> <laughs> Until you re-listen to this episode. And go, oh yes, there's Lloyd a Bonier. male dazzler. And then you'll forget it again. <laughs> if I ever see a male character dressed as I've seen a dazzler thing, then I'll go, Oh He's yes. He's a magician. That's right. <laughs> Lloyd Bonnier, yes. But anyway. Well, who's the Dazzler in X-Men? Dazzler in X-Men is a pop singer who ends up becoming, like, you read more of the 70s X-Men than I did, so you go right ahead. She did have a brief stint in X-Men. In the 1980s. Cameo there about, and then I think from there, yes, she had her own title. She had her own series, maybe give or take 40-issue run. Casablanca Records, I believe, were the ones that wanted... Like, I know a little bit about the making of the character, but I don't know much of her story itself. But I believe Casablanca Records, they wanted a disco-themed superhero, and they were going to make a movie in the 1970s, 1980s. Okay, so that may have been an impetus for that. She could absorb music and turn it into energy uh, different than... Ah, I've a actually, jubilee character. Yeah, she had the yeah. the long, like the the, the silvery white ish slacks and the, the slacks. Blue. <laughs> well, that's what it was or from the seventies. Yes, or pants, depending Hot on your pants. Part. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, the disco ball was uh, commonly seen around her, and she could, yeah. And she's a cool character. Like I was actually trying to get into more of the character recently, you know, because I was reading uh, like her first appearance, I guess. <clears throat> and I go on Marvel Unlimited, and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, let me read some more Dazzler because there's probably all of it. Dazzler number one, and that's it. I'm like, mother. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, if you go in the JBL and Cole show, the Dazzler makes a something. <laughs> <laughs> he sure does. Allison Blair, I think, right? Yes. Not to, I don't be, think confu- not to be confused with Allison something, the Nighthawk. 
The Nighthawk. The radio DJ. The radio DJ? The Light Bird is Allison Steele. Steel. <laughs> go there. I know some things. And now, the things Eddie. I know, I know. And I don't know much. Why couldn't they have included Colossus in this? Well, the funniest thing was the, the He's caught actor, up in Deadpool stuff. The know. actor who played Colossus in X-Men, I think, 3 and 2, he is in this movie, apparently, but, like, in a non, like, a small role or something. Wow. Okay. As what, a janitor? Like... <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty... That would be small. Yeah, yeah. But he's apparently in the movie. Uh, tweet at us if I'm incorrect, but I remember seeing, like, I was looking at the Wikipedia page right before the movie came out, and they go, and in an unspecified role, so-and-so is being in the movie. You don't know what it is. Oh boy. Boo, 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 boo. Why do they? I don't know. Why do they even do that? But yeah, like. Uh, Are you yawning because of the movie? Stop. <laughs> sure. But anyway, the uh, I was just bummed out the lack of. Other than the scene that she was in was really cool to look at and hear. I you know I was happy to finally find out the name of the song, but Dazzler being in there was just such a wasted opportunity. Like. You could do so much with her. I don't know, but just do something. See, well, they did do something by putting her in the gosh darn movie and introducing you, maybe the X-Men only through the movie's viewer, hey, this could be somebody else, and now you've seen her. Albeit brief, but there you go. It's kind of like Bishop in Days of Future Past. Yeah. A waste of You know what? It was like fan service. But But you did see Bishop in a pretty significant amount of time, I think. He was also being um, time transported by, by Kitty, right? He was laying down on that slab mm-hmm. table, whatever. But they're characters of note. That's the thing. Bishop, Dazzler, they're of importance. You don't do that in the MCU where you have like... He's not a main character, though. But he is in certain X-Men titles. Just saying. Yeah, but I mean, that's more... That's... Yeah, X-Men Days of Future Past was Wolverine 4 or Wolverine 3. Huh. I can see that. Yeah, because yeah, it was through him that things were happening and yeah. Yeah. On the topic of Wolverine, kind of bummed out that we didn't see a certain knucklehead, but I understood why, and yeah, he's done. This movie also like bummed me out because of the lack of connection for something that was in another X-Men-related movie. What were they talking about in Deadpool 2 when we end up seeing the X-Men show up in that one room? It would have been kind of nice to see them make a connection between this movie and that movie, like have it be interspliced. See them on the other side of the room? Yeah, and then you end up seeing, like, Deadpool just walking, like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> just walk out. Mm. You know why? Because Deadpool is in 2000s. I, and, 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 different different uh, decade and, now? <laughs> These and, timelines are so confusing. And yeah. they still maintain their look from the 60s yeah. up into the 2000s yeah. in Deadpool 2. <laughs> and when you see... But the thing is, the reason I was going on with the 1990s connection, when you see Quicksilver in Deadpool 2, he's wearing a Nirvana shirt. So I'm like... Oh, so this movie's going to take place in the 90s. He's wearing a Nirvana shirt in this. Maybe their things are going to, you know, cross over. Narrator, it did not. <laughs> but just the idea of, you know, maybe a little callback to that, that would have been cool. Like just like some, again, if we're going to be on the topic of fan service in this movie, that should have been perfect fan service. Maybe bring Deadpool in in like a post credit scene. Like, oh, guys, sorry I'm late for the Fox merger. <laughs> you know, something, <laughs> but. Yeah, it's trying to be more of a serious tone. And well, it went very serious when we lost Mystique. And I wonder if we really had to. I mean, I know people are saying, yeah, she just was there to do her lines and get a paycheck. Pretty much. Well, but, because Jennifer Lawrence didn't want to even do the movies anymore because she was like, I'm sick of doing the makeup, sick of doing this. 
hate to say it, then why'd you sign on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did the, yeah, well, the finger thing means money, like they say on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. But the idea of that and... I don't think we had the loser altogether. She could just not show up in another movie. That's, you know, she went out on yeah, her they've own. Done, they've She's done out that. doing evil things. What? A, yeah. <laughs> what kind of evil things? Evil. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. I mean... So that was my, I think, worst part of the movie is having to having to lose her. A la Logan. Oh, she did. Style. Yeah. She did. That's the way she went. Mm-hmm. That's the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I do not like it. Y- yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Casey, you are not. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just thought it was like, eh. Much like the song Africa by Toto compared to Hold the Lion. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Fine. Blatant music reference there, so. Blatant shoehorning of me mentioning, I'm so happy that Eddie here's another thing Hold though. the Lion. <laughs> Here, here's another thing, though. They go into space with no spacesuits on. And then they just like, and then... A wizard did it. That's the standard answer. It's terrible. I understand they're mutants, but like, she's in there trying to get the guy he's having the spins, and there's no <laughs> like metal covering. You laugh. It's not funny having those, you know. The spins? <laughs> yeah. There's no metal covering. I was like, so Gene should have just died there. End the movie. Well, you see... um Aurora Borealis. They weren't going. They weren't going back. They realized after the fact that they didn't have the right suits back. on. But they say, you know what? We shot this film. Let's just move on. We're really way over time budget. Let's keep going. Well, the original ending of the movie was also supposed to essentially be the ending of Captain Marvel with the scrolls. If I'm correct, the scrolls were supposed to be in this movie, and they ended up doing a reshoot, saying, "Oh, audiences don't want to see a spa- ending in space. It's the Dark Phoenix saga. Are you friggin' kidding me?" <laughs> yeah, but that. That part of space, not... Oh, not, oh! <laughs> for next thing you know, we'll be in the Andromeda Galaxy or something. Or hanging out with the asparagus people. Oh, you know. Because uh, uh, And this movie was plagued with reshoots, which can be both a good thing, as we've seen with Avengers Endgame, or be the absolute living shits. What reshoots for Endgame did they do? They did, like, they... The ones they told us about. I'll, I'll talk yeah. to you off mic about it, but there's, like, a lot of stuff that they would do. So... Certain things you won't know. We can talk about fan castings for X-Men MCU. Yes. So, first off, if you want to do an X-Men team, there's so many different versions of the team lineups. You end up having, you know, 1992 X-Men or a.k.a. the uh, Jim Lee era. You end up having the original lineup, which was kind of seen in first class, but not really. You end up having also the second Genesis group where it was not Phil Collins, but... You end up, that was a really good joke for me. I'm proud of that one. Uh, yes, you are. But you end up having like uh, Colossus, uh, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, Banshee, Banshee, Proudstar. What's his name? The guy, the uh, Japanese superhero who, no, nerds, I'm going to leave. Bye. Sunfire? There we go. Sunfire. Sunfire is great. He's such a dick. I love him. He's throwing he was, a spike. He wasn't there that long. He didn't have too much a chance to be. But he didn't want to be. Well, my favorite moment is because like, rereading Second Genesis and everything, the moment where he's like, "I am not going to join you guys," and then he knocks on the window and they're, when they're in the uh, the Blackbird. Nah, on second thought, I'm going to join you guys, and then he makes them have them go inside. Nice. Okay. He's such a dick. I love it. So, the- <laughs> I don't know. I just scratched my head though at the end of Dark Phoenix though to figure out who would be cast as like, um. Charles. Let's go with... I, I can't think of anybody. The, yeah, the problem is Patrick Stewart is the guy. 
Name another bald-headed British dude. I just can't. other than the guy from Shazam, Sir Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Yeah, right. As far as to like, me, my X Men brother. <laughs> now, you. I think you guys have shared a uh, article of Jason Momoa. His expressed interest in. Yeah, he wants to play Wolverine one he's day. He's too tall. But again, so was Huge Jacked Man. And then on screen, they made him a... Hugh Jackman's like six foot two. Medium. Jason Momoa's like six foot four. He can play Sabretooth. Now, as far as Wolverine... No. I like that. Mm. Yeah, as far as Wolverine, Dominic West from The Wire, I feel it could do it. He's not like... He's, he's a known name. And he has a... He, I know he can do it, basically. I can see him doing it. He has a look. It's. I feel like he'd be a perfect fit for that role. Now, Momoa, on the other hand, he could play Sabretooth. He already has a look. But he doesn't give me that vibe of that like very aggressive person. He's more of like a chilled out dude. So now I want to see Wolverine played by Eric Andre. Why? Not really. I'm just doing a <laughs> random person. Idris Elba. <laughs> it's He's... either Idris Elba or Nathan Fillion for every single fan casting <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, but it's just I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to integrate this in the MCU. Um, it'd be interesting. During our interview with the uh, showrunners of X-Men, the animated series, I actually brought up the point of they could do it Avengers style where they subtly bring characters in through other movies and then lead up to their own big X-Men movie like after, you know, like how they did Avengers, you know? You can do... A Cyclops movie? I no, wouldn't no, do... Nobody a, wants to see that. I mean, Cyclops would. Cyclops is family. <sighs> There's no interest in that. There's a bad joke in there. Cyclops, nobody wants to see that. I, yeah. I was trying to, I was admitting, I'm trying to, you know, connect the synapses for that one as well. Yeah, it's, uh, okay. Mike Wagowski. <laughs> Just went over my head. Monsters, Inc.? Yep. Okay. One oh, eye. But the... Good, then that's who sees it. Yeah, okay. This guy over here. This guy. But the, for me, in regards to, like, some of the actors... I'm. I admit it's like a controversial one, like lately. But Daniel Radcliffe as Wolverine could work. It could work. He's got the you know stature. He's got the acting prowess. Why not? He could play Charles Xavier. That huh. I would see more so. Okay, fine. Yes. Yup. Daniel as Charles. Why? Because he's British. He's <laughs> British. Shave his head. Throw him in the wheelchair. He has credibility though. But I just don't know if I could see him as an older person. If we're going to go with like an older actor, maybe someone in their 40s, 50s. Jason Statham. Really? Hmm. Yeah, no. I don't know. <laughs> no, because he's too intimidating. It's like that. It's, it's When I walked out of Dark Phoenix, I'm like, all right, it, the Fox era is over. 18 year, 19. Technically, because we still have new mutants escaping from theaters soon. It's never, never going to happen. <laughs> Oh man! It's just like the Snyder Cut. Nobody cares. Oh, I'm in agreement, but boy, there would be so many fanboys at your throat for that one. It's it's, it's not gonna. Nobody Jack cares. Jack Snyder's vision is revolutionary. No, we need an we need an angry, depressed, alcoholic Batman and a Superman that doesn't care about anyone. He just does slow mo shots. Like I don't know. Yeah, three hundred was like bad. Watchmen mm -hmm. was okay. Watchmen was bad. <laughs> I don't care if I'm going to get grief for it. I'm just saying it. Um, yeah, I walked out of that. 19 years of X-Men movies are over. 
it's I don't know who's gonna who they're gonna recast. Like personally, I would like to see Michael reprise the role. I think he's like a perfect fit for that. Hmm. I mean, but what lineup of the X Men could you go with? And I feel going with the second Genesis lineup of Wolverine, Cyclops, Colossus, uh, Nightcrawler, Storm, Storm, yeah, Crowdstar, maybe. Uh. Banshee. Banshee would be an interesting one. Yeah. Now, if they do integrate it, I feel like the MCU should introduce Wolverine as a villain. Really? I've never heard that take. I mean, it's just... He's supposed to be this drifter. He's supposed to be this a animal. Loner. So A it's, rebel, Dottie. A loner. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, to have, like, you know, Peter and them to try and get... Especially, like, the dynamic between Wolverine and the Hulk. There you go. Yeah. I just gave you... Thank you. Like, MCU, you can just write the check. <laughs> I've, I've said before, if you end up introducing him, and I'll say it, you know, you're going to hear it in our uh, X-Men the Animated Series episode, Alpha Flight. Bring him in through Alpha Flight, because he was a member of Alpha Flight. Have yeah. him fight the Hulk in Canada. I, I want to see Wolverine and Rocket on screen. I think it'd be very interesting. Dynamic. That's a team-up I never thought I could ever see. Hmm. I'd like that. Yeah. It just, I don't know. How much for the claws? Like... <laughs> I mean, the funniest thing is <laughs> we we never ended up getting a uh, real... We only got one line. That was it with Rocket and uh, Tony. I thought we were Build-A-Bear for a second. Oh, jeez. Okay. Like, there was that, and I was more, like, waiting for... You're not going to be shocked at the ta- talking raccoon? Nobody was, which I was surprised. Yeah. I mean... Then again, they just fought a Titan alien on another <laughs> planet, so I think, like, at this point, anything's possible. Yeah. So... True debt. Mm-hmm. And the Chitari, I think, like, from the Battle from battle of New York. The Incident. Um, well, that's the Netflix version. Yeah, I'm just saying, I think that kind of just changed things forever. <laughs> or until the next reboot. Yeah. It's just my thought process. But I want to just, I've actually texted you this the other day, and I just thought about this. Avengers Endgame, Time Heist. They had to go retrieve all the stones at a specific point. They could have just traveled back at the Battle of Wakanda, cut his arm off, done. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> it was the only way, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to see him die because he was an asshole, too. Do, do you think <sighs> that the reason Star-Lord didn't listen, by the way, was because he had AirPods in? No. I think he had AirPods in. He was, you know, experimenting with the new technology. No. But yeah, Dark Phoenix. Certainly a movie. <laughs> if you can only watch one movie in 2019, well, you have many options. <laughs> Dark Phoenix could be one of them. I don't think it was bad. I don't think it was great. I thought it was better than The Last Stand. I thought it was a better interpretation. I just felt that the lead of the gene was not I, very charismatic. Right. Um, a lot of crying, a lot of screaming, like, go away. Like, just a lot of teenage angst for a person that's supposed to be in the 30s at this point. I will make one comment, though. What I really enjoyed, we did get Scott to yell Gene. That's, you know, it's not an X-Men movie without Scott yelling Gene. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it, it wasn't that, it wasn't as bad. It's, honestly, I had high hopes for it. I, I felt that they could pull it off. Reading the reviews, I went in with, like, low expectations, which actually benefited the experience more because going yeah, I agree. It, I agree. Yeah, because I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. But it didn't. It, it exceeded those low expectations, which really wasn't that hard. But yeah. which brought it up to mediocre, then perhaps. Yeah. 
So, so I was good with that. <laughs> yeah, it's not like with Last Stand, I had high hopes for it. And mm-hmm. I saw the bad reviews, and I just like was, you know, like a racehorse. Shutters on, and it completely sucked. I so, liked Last Stand more than this. Why? I don't know. I guess, like, if you remove the Dark Phoenix story from Last Stand, which is half of the movie, the other half was fine. I was fine with what they were doing in that. But the shoehorning of uh, Dark Phoenix in that just bothered me. But I liked it more for the the character interactions. I thought that was a much better film. Would it have been better if they didn't make the Dark Phoenix character emerge in Last Stand and just had Gene still be part of the team? You know what I'm saying? Go yeah. forward with that. That might have worked better. Yeah. That could have been an alternate plot line. I just I also find it funny that both movies ended with a friggin' chess game. Hmm. Just this time in France. E- the view never changes, clearly. Yeah. But for me, for me with Dark Phoenix, I gave it a 5 out of 10 on Twitter. I'll give it on here a 2.5 out of 5. But it's not the worst Marvel movie I've ever seen. There are worse movies than mm-hmm. this. It's just, it was so... Daredevil! I liked Daredevil back in the day, and I haven't revisited it in almost 15 years. I've heard, like... I've heard the director's cut with Coolio is really good, which is great to say. The, direct, the director cut benefited more from Coolio. But, okay. But anyway. Which added, what, 25 minutes, a half hour to it, I think? I think it did, because there was, like, okay. courtroom scenes showing, you know, Matt as a lawyer, yada, yada, yada. And anyway, Foggy, okay. who ended up being Happy Hogan. But that, but, you know, in all fairness, I think Daredevil was an early outing in the Marvel movies of this time period in the early 2000s or whatever. It was just experimenting. Uh, yeah. Out yeah, it's... Yeah, but can you really say that, you know, with movies in general of, like, well, it was done earlier, so clearly it wasn't a good movie. Good Will Hunting was 1997. That's a masterpiece of a movie. Mm. Citizen yes. Kane was 1942. Good Burger says hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just think Marvel was trying to experiment to see what would work. I yeah. mean, they're trying to get, like, their, basically their big gun characters out, out the gate, um... It was such a confusing time, too, for, like, when they would do that because you didn't know where the film rights would go to, and then you're watching Well, that's and, because they were almost ba- – they were yeah. pretty much almost bankrupt back in the 90s. No, they were. They, they did go bankrupt. Yeah, I mean, and then they had to sell their rights, so they sold half of it to Sony, then the Mattel, and the Mattel tried to change the toy, toy industry. It's my, – my thesis paper in college was on Marvel, the MCU, so, yeah. What co- what class was that? Um, This was uh, – oh, no, film, not Thanos. Could have been a film class. I no, it wasn't a film class. It was like a it was it was a business oriented class. Okay, um, and if we had to choose industries, I believe one of them was like Cirque du Soleil. Um, wow. The other one was like Spotify, and then the and MCU. And I was like, oh, I'll write about that because it's interesting. So mm-hmm. actually, learning the history of where Marvel was, like on the brink of basically just going bye bye to selling it. And then how the MCU just developed where they would just hire name actors, but they were kind of like past their prime um, so they can get them for cheap Lockman on contracts for a certain period of time, for X amount of movies, for a certain amount of pay, regardless if the movie was a hit or not, they get paid the same amount. So brilliant strategy and everyone's trying to, um, pretty much everyone's trying to rip off that. Especially with the cinematic universe idea. Yeah, but I think DC's. Well, I think DC recently like came out and said that they're kind of not going with that route. Like with Batson, um, the new Batman that comes out next year. It's going to be its own separate thing, separate from the Joker 
which I don't mind, but I think people are now so conditioned of having a cinematic universe. It's what they expect. Yeah. But, I mean, sometimes that can either be a good thing or a bad thing because then you're always going to have that comparison to Marvel. It's I think DC is doing the smart thing by just eliminating that and just starting from scratch. It's going to be weird, though, how they integrate, like, one Roman 1984 and the new Aquaman because they're going to come out with a sequel for that. So, I don't know. And, and Shazam. They, Shazam. Well, Shazam is going to be different, I think. Um, and then I believe I read somewhere that they are going to move forward with the Flash movie with Ezra. So, we'll see. Now, while we're on the topic of DC, by the way, well, we'll get to that at the end. But, <laughs> I mean, like I said, two and a half out of five and... I agree. It could have been so much better. It could have been so much better. And I just did, I did not care for it, but was it the worst movie I've ever seen in theaters? No, it was not. But it was just, I could have spent my time doing something else. Washing my hair, doing my taxes a little bit early. Just many other things. It was just, it was there. I was in a movie theater. The AC was nice. I got to give them that. Chair was comfortable. Actually, the uh, recliner was broken. Oh, boy. Mine wasn't. Mine was, so. That loses a star, clearly. <laughs> Some kind of star, at least. Jeez. Um, I, I did better with it. I think I was headed towards a four out of five, but I'm going to go down to a three, seven, five and uh, <laughs> be that guy. Because, like Chris said, I went into it thinking, okay, this is really not going to be good according to what I'm hearing, so let's just be prepared for things really mm-hmm. coming out in me and going, what, why, who? You know. And the only moment I had really was when they disposed of Mystique and the way they did it. It was painful, so very, lost very quor- painful. So it lost so a quarter of a star for that. lost at least that from, from there. Um, otherwise, yeah, I suppose they could have done more. I know at least one review I had heard or read was saying like they're just waiting for them to do something they were just kind of static characters going through the motions maybe that kind of thing but it had some decent I think entertainment value not exceptional I agree okay Uh, any somewhat any knowledgeable fans that know about this character will know All right, it's going to happen but how are we getting there what's going to happen to her so they had to tell the story and they did and what it grossed overall, yeah, came under, sure. So it falls into that category. And we'll see it on DVD before you know it. Especially now because they pulled it out of theaters mostly. So it's it's done, really? it's, it's yeah. had its run. It's It got pulled out of, uh, I believe, half of the number of theaters. Oh, no. Yeah, so if you had wanted to see it, you know, you should have seen it opening weekend then. It was a hot ticket. Yeah, it was. Well, my theater was not full. I know that for a fact. Mine, let's uh, say about... We're talking opening weekend. I was yeah, I was there for the Thursday night showing, and mm-hmm. it was maybe fifty percent of the theater full. Okay. Yeah, it might have been a li- the same, or maybe a little bit more when I when I went, and it was a early. It was in that weekend also. A lot of opening weekend. The people behind the movie as well, they're blaming uh, Avengers Endgame for coming out. Like, oh, it's clearly the people. You know, they wanted to see that more than this. No. Yeah. If you have a built-in audience with these characters, they should have been coming en masse. They didn't. Yeah, but I also think it's the studio's fault. Well, they it was supposed to come out in November, and yeah, then February, and then June. So it's more on the studio. Yeah, it did point. get. I remember being moved. Yes, yeah, so I thought February was one early release date. Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to come out in November 2019. 
Um, oh, 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 okay. Or no, November 2018, sorry. Yeah. And then February, and then... So, I mean, that kind of blames on the studio. Um, having some inside baseball knowledge. I've I've actually asked the producer, like, how do they come up with release dates? They basically The studio basically says, here's your release date, um, make the movie. <laughs> so... Oh. Mm. Yeah. So, okay. so I think with the reshoots, though, that kind of caused the push a little bit, so... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't disagree. I think if you have a built-in relationship with the characters, people would come. Um, I know I did because it's, I don't know, watching the first X-Men in 2000, you know, seeing every single one of them at this point, I had to watch the final one. Let me ask, which would be a better conclusion for these movies, this or Logan? Hmm. I'm just going to say with Logan, you're just confined to... Yeah, Wolverine. two or three characters essentially. Um, yeah, I feel like they should have ended at days of uh, Days of Future Past. Oh, yeah, yeah. I felt like it's you integrated the the new crew and the old crew, mm-hmm. and then him showing up to the school. And I think if they just ended it at that and then went straight to Logan, nothing in between. It would the story still flows. Yeah, so, I mean. Xavier's still Patrick Stewart. Wolverine's still huge, huge Jackman. <laughs> um, and it's knowing what happens in between. It's I think not knowing that in Logan didn't hurt it at all. It's kind of you, you just accept it. So they should have just ended it. Days of Future Past. I thought it was a perfect movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. So before we wrap this episode up, we also want to introduce our interview with. Sal Zerzolo from the 7th Garden State Comic Fest at the Menin Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. Hi, this is Sal Zerzolo with the Garden State Comic Fest, and you're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. And on the phone now, we have from the Garden State Comic Fest here before you know it, this weekend, in fact, June 29th and 30th, it's Sal Zerzolo. Sal, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about this. Thank you for having me. It's the seventh one, Garden State Comic Fest, I believe in the same spot, so let's start with that. Yeah, well, it's our seventh one in Morristown. Our very first was in uh, Ledgewood, in a small uh, place that no longer exists, I don't think. It was like a little test show, and we took it from there, and have been growing, and we've done shows around the state, Atlantic City, and we do a show for Great Adventure in the Six Flags Park itself. I should yeah. rephrase what I'm saying because I've been to the Garden State Comic Fest in this particular place, in Morristown, New Jersey, in the Menin Sports Arena mm-hmm. twice now. So this will be my third time. So that's the only awesome. place I recall it being, yeah. Yeah, and that's our flagship show, so you pick the good one to go to. Excellent. For me, coming a good hour and a half away when it is, this is usually around this time of year, I think, for this show? Well, you know, it's usually actually the weekend after the 4th of July, but this Fourth of July kind of falls on a weekend, and we didn't want to compete with that holiday. We moved it up a week. Next year, we'll probably be moving back to uh, the weekend after. Okay, good to know. How far would you say, if in talking to people, Sal, and I imagine you've got like too many things going on at, in the course of the weekend, and I'll hopefully meet you for the first time. Uh, where yeah. are people? Where are people coming from? Like how far away and stuff? Oh my God! For this show, I, I've got to tell you the truth. Things have been moving really fast, and I haven't been able to 
track locations as closely as I wanted to, but in the past, I mean, we've had people from all over the world, actually. I was going to say all over the country, but really, mm. we had uh, one guy from the Philippines who rearranged his vacation, so he could, <laughs> he was coming home, uh, coming here to visit family, he rearranged his vacation so he could come down to, to the show, so literally all over the world. And in this short amount of time, like, you know, we say in the seventh one, for somebody to rearrange your schedule to come to this show, oh. and you've only been doing it seven years, I assume you've been doing it all those years, then I think that's a yeah. feather in your cap. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, we look at it as a compliment. We really love our fans, and I think that's one thing that differentiates us from a lot of the other shows. We would, Dave, uh, my business partner, and I, as well as our general manager, our director of. Uh, Bender liaison. We've got you know lots of good people working for us who actually get out there and interact with the crowd. And we're not invisible. We don't sit in the back room and, and you know and count tickets and stuff. Uh, we're actually out there um, dealing with people and uh, dealing with vendors, the artists, the cosplayers, and all the fun stuff that goes on at, at our show. And the only thing I regret about our show is that I can't attend it. Like a there's a lot of business things that need to get done during the day as well. So. I can't just be a, a, a normal attendee. It's not all fun and games, but it's a lot of fun for me. Hopefully somebody gets to record it so you can see what you didn't get to see. You know what I mean? It happens every year. I look at the videos online and say, oh, I missed that. I was, you know, and I try to and I realize, oh, I was doing something else. Uh, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces to this, to putting on a, a convention of this size. So we like to have something for everyone. Uh, our major concentration is on the comic books themselves. We like to say we have more comic book dealers per square foot than just about any other con in the country, including the big ones. And then we've got the uh, comic book artists and the writers. We've got Roy Thomas, who was really the first successor to uh, Dan Lee at Marvel Comics. He's going to be coming in Saturday only, but uh, he'll be in. Got a lot of big demand for him. Uh, on the celebrity side, we have Aaron Ashmore. who played Jimmy Olsen in Smallville. He was also in Warehouse 13. He's Currently, than one of the stars of uh, sci-fi hit The Killjoys. It's a good sampling, and you know, like you said, Roy Thomas, one of the pioneers. I'm going to say, and th that yeah. I grew up with, that I know coming from the '60s and having met him, and I will have more stuff from the sign. You better believe that. And mm -hmm. some other names that I know that have been doing it for a while, whether it's Marvel or DC or otherwise, on the guest list and artists. I'm looking at Joe Jusco, Walter, and oh, Louise I Simonson. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of people uh, mention Walter Simonson, and sometimes they overlook his wife, uh, Louise Simonson, who was a pretty big deal, too. Uh, you know, so we've got both of them coming. We've got voice actors, uh, Alan Oppenheimer, who played, uh, who did the voice of Skeletor, and Michael Bell, who did the voice of Duke and G.I. Joe. Skeletor, of course, from He-Man fame. We've also got rock stars turned comic book creators, the group. I think you've heard of them. They're going to be there, uh, some of them in costume. They're going to be, uh, you know, selling their book and uh, promoting their comic book. And also then on the cosplay side, I guess a quasi-celebrity, and we've spoken to her actually again because we did do a uh, Marvelous March month when Captain Marvel came out and we dedicated that month to women in comics. You've got Sharon Rose. Oh, Sharon Rose is fantastic. She's a great ambassador for the cosplay community. She does tons of great charity work. In addition to Sharon, we've got self-made character father evil coming back who's very creepy but very entertaining and people just get a kick out of him he, um, he is yes yeah you've seen you've seen him in the past i've he's seen him met him i'm yeah. watching his facebook post holy cow he's got a following unbelievable big hit in the horror community especially but we like him at our comic con too we've got katie ko who does incredible costumes calcium chloride who also has great costumes and one of my favorites is steampunk batman and robin are coming uh to the show 
they were there last year, and it was such a big hit, we had to have them back. So we've got a great representation of the cosplay community, and we do the Garden State Cosplay Showdown, you know, the costume contest on uh, Sundays, and we do one version for adults and one for kids, and give away a lot of money and prizes. What I'm seeing also, too, Sal, is a list of events, whether it be on the main stage inside the Heroes Rink or in the uh, Lake Placid Room. Maybe just touch on that a little bit. Oh, sure. We've got a whole slew of panels. Some of them are question and answers panels like uh, the one with for voice acting. If you're ever interested in voice acting, we had a, a couple of voice actors do it last year, and now this year we're going to have Alan Oppenheimer and Michael Bell do the voice acting Q&A, how to get into it, what they talk about their own lives and their careers. One of the new additions to our panel list this year is something called the Villains List. We saw this uh, being run by a guy named James Michael at uh, another con. Uh, we thought it was such a big hit, and it was just so much fun. Basically, James likes to talk about villains and really goofy villains and uh, <laughs> what makes them uh, strange and silly and insane, and, and it's pretty funny. Uh, he does a, a great job. Roy Thomas is going to talk about uh, his inter- his life with Stan Lee at another panel. We've got great stuff for kids. We've got kids' lightsaber classes. You get to uh, handle a lightsaber and are taught how to, like a little martial arts for a Jedi class. Mm. Um, they don't actually fight each other with lightsabers, you know. I also see something that looks a little bit different here, and that is the uh, charity art auction. Actually, we do that every year. We pick a charity, and uh, we basically uh, have the artists that are attending the show. Uh, if they want to participate, they supply a piece of art or some kind of autographed print or something. And we auction them off, and all the proceeds will go to a charity about choosing. There's also something that I've seen here and there. They're breaking into comics the Kubert School way. Yes, the Kubert School is pretty much the Harvard of uh, comic book art schools, and uh, they uh, are going to do a panel uh, and uh, give anybody, any aspiring artists out there, some really good advice uh, you'll get from Darren Ock and Lloyd Briggery at that. So it'll, it'll definitely be uh, an educational panel. Speaking of education, we've got a couple of professors coming to talk about the panel is entitled Wolverines Don't Howl, What Comics Get Wrong and Right About Animal and Plant Ability. So they're going to talk about real-life abilities of animals and plants and how they translate to the comic world with, uh, you know, of course, Spider-Man and Batman and uh, all the cat figures that are uh, superheroes and villains that are out there, including the plant ones like Groot and Poison Ivy. That's the one that did catch my eye that I was going to mention, too. So we're really getting into the science of, of that kind of thing. Exactly. We, we like to do things that are a little different. When I saw the release, the press release, I said, wait a minute, I remember this place. If nothing else, then the ice rink. Yes. Speaking of the ice rink, I assume we brought it up because we do have a one-of-a-kind thing at our con, being that the men in arena, sports arena, is a three-ice rink arena facility, I should say, with three ice rinks in it. Two of them, they melt the ice so that we can put on our convention. So, uh, but one of them leaves the ice on, on, and we take over a two-hour slot where anybody can go and ice skate, and we call it cosplay on ice. If you're in a costume, even better. So we've got a ton of cosplayers, some who can skate, some who can barely skate, and some who just kind of flop around. But it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you can see Superman skating by in his cape going in the wind. Uh, looks like he's really flying sometimes. <laughs> that's great. What is the uh, two-hour block of time that's supposed to happen? It's going to be two to four on Saturday. So we only do it on Saturday, and it's from two to four. Now, if you have your own skates, you, the whole thing is free. If you need to rent skates, you can rent them from the men in arena. Oh, that's they good. Have, uh, yeah, so that's great. Good to know. I can't um, skate, but I can watch and, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and take some it's pictures, nice. too. 
<laughs> exactly. It's nice to see the Hulk go slopping on the ice. Yeah, there's another meaning to Hulk smash now, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good one. So what are the hours and the uh, admission costs for the event? Okay, well, you can get tickets on our site now. That's GardenStateComicFest.com. Uh, go to the Morristown uh, show. You'll see buttons for tickets, for buying tickets. So Saturday, the tickets online are $25. Sunday, it's $20. You can get a VIP pass that comes with a lot of goodies for $75. Plus, you get a lot of great swag that we give you in a, in a uh, swag bag filled with goodies and coupons that uh, are exclusively for our VIPs. You can also get a two-day pass for $40 income both days. So those are the online prices. They do come with taxes and fees. But at the show itself, the price will just be $5 higher if you want to buy your ticket at the show. It's easy to get to from uh, Manhattan. It's only 20, 25 minutes in the heart of Morris County. Um, you can make a weekend out of it. A lot of people do. They, you know, they'll stay in a hotel and do a whole ton of stuff, not just at our show, but also in Morristown itself, which is a beautiful little New Jersey town. That's the idea for myself, at least this year. And the Marvelous will be there covering it as much as possible, whether it's just getting the photos and maybe getting some video, getting some audio, and, of course, putting it on there on the Facebook page. And it looks really good to be able to get to do that. Thanks, Sal, for helping us get there. We appreciate it. Thank you. And, again, it's the Garden State Comic Fest. It happens this weekend. It's Saturday and Sunday. June 29th and 30th at the William G. Menon Sports Arena, Morristown, New Jersey. And I believe parking is free, correct? Parking is free. Kids 11 and under are free. And this year, for the first time, vets and active military are free as well. Just got to show up with your ID. Excellent. Sal Zerzolo, Garden State Comic Fest. Thank you so much. Thanks to you and the Marvelous. All right, big thank you to Sal of Garden State Comic Fest, which we will be at this weekend. And you heard the whole lineup of who's supposed to be there, and it looks like it's going to be good. It's two days. It's Saturday and Sunday. Tickets available at the door. And uh, I'll mention it again, that having gone to that just once before, one of the funny things, unusual things about it is that they, they have three ice rinks that they melt the ice for two of them so they can actually have the event in there, but one of them stays chilled so that some people, cosplayer or not, can do some skating in a couple hours on the Saturday to do that. And uh, I'll try to make that to take some pictures because I am not on skates. <laughs> Eddie Wilson on ice. No, no, no. Just an enthusiast. <laughs> so now before we wrap this episode up, we want to tell you all at home what next month is going to be. Next month will be Kuda bought a crossover. Are you kidding me? Yes. A long last. And I think I know from whence this arises our good friend of the show, Charles Perello. Or at least had input early in the Marvelous episodes. Yeah. But hey, I'm, you guys should do... I'm still going to give you credit for it because you did like this really bitchin' outro, or, uh, intro. And I was like, <laughs> that is... Did you did you save it? Oh, that. Oh. Because like, you wrote this thing down. And I'm just like, that is so It was a text. That's good. right. That's right. Like that would make just a great opening. And I was like... We're going to do it. We're doing July X-Men. Or uh, we're not X-Month. We're going to do DC oh, oh, versus so Marvel. Early apologies now. It's partially my fault. <laughs> okay. And we got some cool stuff in mind for that. We're going to be doing stuff like best Marvel movie versus best DC movie. And while we're at it, people, message us on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Let us know what you consider to be the best Marvel movie and the best DC movie. And when we say that, we don't mean like a team effort like the Avengers. Yes, Endgame is the greatest comic book movie of all time, but 
We would like it to be solo efforts. We have an idea of what we think is going to be the best Marvel versus DC, but we'd like to hear what you think. How about on the opposite side of the coin? Yeah, we're finally going to be covering a movie that I did not want to do, but we're going to do because it's going to ruin my memories of how good the comic was. Oh, well, you can go back to them and do a reread. I sure can. If you can do a rewatch, you sure as heck can do a reread. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling I'm going to feel dirty reading those comics afterwards, Eddie. Uh, but it's not all quacked up to be, is it? That's exactly right. Gross. So, let's wrap this bad boy up. Shows right after Garden State Comic Fest. We have a short little break, I think. Yeah, the month of July. However, we will be keeping y'all informed on social media with D23 and San Diego Comic-Con. Mm. And yeah. And then it's August. Wow. And Terrificon looms in the distance. Not too far away. August 9th, 10th, 11th. Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. Hashtag Mitch Halleck. 51. What is that hashtag going to do? I don't know. Put his name out there. He oh, does good. such enough job of I mean, billboards out there in Connecticut on 84 and everywhere else, I think, too. I swear, I think 51 weeks out of 52, he's working on that show. Yeah. Because right after the it's done, he's he's right back to the next one. And uh, I think we'll get, I think, I know we will need to get an interview with Mitch and find out why. So many weeks and months far out do you have to, people know, I mean, we'll go into how many years he's been doing this, but, um, you know. When I went to go Can see he rest it? a little bit? Let, let a, have a little fall time? Have a happy Halloween? Maybe your Thanksgiving? When, then start cranking it up? I don't know. When I went to go to uh, the Kevin Smith signing in Red Bank, New Jersey, I was talking to a guy. I had my Terrificon t-shirt on, and he goes, oh, Terrificon, Mitch's show. And I'm like, how does... Everyone knows this guy. Yes. But it was just like the element of how much he puts into promoting this con. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then also in September, we have... I don't think we have any other shows that month. In August... I think we're pretty clear yeah. for that, yeah. Then September, and then, of course, the biggin' New York Comic Con in New York City at the Jacob K. Javits Center. I'll be there running around with a recorder in hand. And Star-Lord paraphernalia. No, and, probably and the not. Rest. Well, probably. The head, you know, looking looking the part. Probably not. Possibly. Probably. Depends just, on if you wear a sleeveless shirt. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just be, uh, yeah, I'll just be me. Peter Melnick, podcaster and Star-Lord enthusiast. Yes. Pontificator. Almost Maximus. And then on top of that, we have, I believe, in November, it's a 50-50 one if I'm going to even go to this Super one. Super Mega Fest, Framingham, Massachusetts, November 16th, 17th. And then I believe we have WinterCon in New York City and Queens, I believe at Resorts World. Beginning of December, I think. Yeah. I think newly announced also is a one-day December Big Apple Con, December 14th. That might be the show, I then. believe that's, that's all my carbo, yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for The Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Chris Mira. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! Time for another episode of Obsessed with Marvel, our chance to prove or disprove our knowledge of the Marvel Universe. And it's question number 631, which reads as follows. Richards. Uh, Read Richards, indeed. 631, it'd be nice if I had the right page, but here we go. Who was not one of the pretty girls who sunbathed on the roof of the rooming house where Peter Parker once lived? This is picky. Who was not one of the pretty girls? Bam- They're all pretty, no matter what. Aunt May. Oh, well, that's, that's without even giving any kind of answers. 
It's yeah, bad, that's right. It's bad for your skin. Bambi, Candy, Randy, or Cindy? I thought it was going to be Sandy, Randy, Candy. They, they would, they would, I, I think they would all have to rhyme, yeah. The sailors say Brandy. I'm going to go with Cindy. Um, don't tell my wife. Bambi, Candy, Randy, or Cindy. I think if, if let's say there were three, they'd all have to have similar sounding names. And that's the only piece of logic I can offer for this question. The rooming house where Peter Parker once lived. Send bathing on the roof. That's Tar Beach. Isn't that what you call it? I'm going to say Randy. You're going to go with Randy? Okay. I'm going to trust Eddie. Cindy. Okay, so let's try D. Cindy. It is correct. Uh, that's just dumb luck. Your Eddie em- senses were tingling. Emphasis on... D- yeah, I know. Like, pretty girls. We Okay. Now we go to question 743. Almost on a big page there. Never mind what I'm saying. 743 says... Armbar. Which artist first drew the Avengers number 93, which was in 1971? Sal Bashima? Neil Adams? Neil. John Bashima, or George Perez? I, I honestly don't think it's George Perez. I've seen that cover. I can't tell you who's on it, but... He didn't come in until uh, the mid-70s anyway. George Perez? Mm-hmm. Okay. I would have guessed later. But Sal Bashima, Neil Adams, John Bashima drew the first Avengers number 93. First drew the Avengers 93. Which might mean that it went was through later a, completed, yeah, because Neil ended up leaving, I believe. Went through a redraw. So maybe that lends it to possibly being Neil. Ooh, okay. Chris, you're just going to... I'll go with Neil. All right, let's try letter B, Neil Adams. It is correct. Okay, two for two. How can it be? B was the answer, that's why. And our third and final question for this episode. We take it back, shall we? Scale it back to 598. Okay. What is the name of Spider-Woman's, as in Julia Carpenter's, daughter? Wait, was she the one that uh, married John? Uh, No. I don't believe so. She retained her last name. Wasn't it Debbie? Deborah. Oh, Deborah Carpenter, I think. Okay. (laughs) What is the name of Spider-Woman's, a la Julia Carpenter's, daughter? Cassie, Alice, Rachel, or Juliet? Spider-Woman's daughter, Rachel. I'm going to have to go with Rachel just based on the interpretation of Two-Face in Dark Knight. Rachel! No, I I don't know about that. Rachel! I'm going to go with Rachel. Rachel! Rachel's the name that shows up in several instances, I think. I think in in a Stephen King movie in... um, I don't think that's Marvel, Eddie. Pet Cemetery. Well, a lot of Stephen King stuff did come through in Marvel comics, like the Gunslinger, the Dark Tower, and Stephen King writing a lot later. Heroes for Hope with X Men. He wrote Heroes for Hope with with X Men. One page, yes. Wolf. Okay, that's count for something. Rachel shows up. Oh, Rachel is also um, the the uh, younger Phoenix character in Excalibur, I believe. Summers, yeah. Summers. There you go. I got the wrong daughter. Spider-Woman's daughter. Spider-Woman's daughter. Spider-Woman's daughter. See, I didn't know Spider-Woman had a daughter, so I'm stuck right there. Rachel. All right. So Cassie, Alice, Rachel, Juliet. I am... 
I'm kind of torn between Cassie and Juliet. But I'm going to say C anyway for Rachel because, I don't know, I thought it was Cassie. Let's go. It is Rachel. 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 <laughs> there it is. Three for three. Make this a note, a high point of this episode. <laughs> well, we had plenty of high points. It's just Dark Phoenix wasn't. Edit. No. <laughs> <laughs>